Yes, folks, it's Thursday, it's 2 p.m. Pacific, it's March 7th. This has to be Pillars of Friend, uh, sorry, Franchising, and I would be Fred McMurray with my co-host, Ray Peller. Ray, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm sitting here in Louisville, South KOA, in the Mobile Studio One, Pillars of Franchising, uh, Mobile Studio One on my way down to the Atlanta area, and right now, the weather is, it didn't change from when I left the Chicago area. It's, it's just maybe a couple of degrees warmer, and they're predicting snow. Can you imagine that? I'm, I'm in Louisville, or near Louisville, <laughs> south of Louisville. Well... You'll be happy today. It's overcast gray. It's been raining, and we're up above the normal uh, yearly total of rain, and they say it's going to rain for the rest of the month, which means people are going in California to their psychiatrist to get Xanax to um, <laughs> mo- mellow their moods up because God knows the weather is crappy here. Um, I've oh, almost yeah. had to pull a light jacket on. <laughs> so, so any any new news? Fred, Fred. Any, well, yes. I I want to hear some news from you. I mean, how are you feeling? I mean, uh, with your your close call and everything, uh, I've been uh, worried about you, and uh, I was just wondering how you're doing. Well, I did not bite anyone. Um, I kept threatening oh, to bite people. After I had my stress test, and okay, there are a couple I came close to, but no one got any super power, super Fred powers from my radioactive blood. Um, they, I did get up to 164 beats a minute um, before the EKG started to gently whack out, but they were happy so far that I got that far up. Um, if they had warned me they were going to give me a 10 degree in, incline to start, I would have started training for that sooner. But such as life. I'm still vertical, my friend, and I'll still be yelling into the microphone next week and the week after and every other week that we're on the air, which is a long, long time. Well, I certainly hope so. Certainly hope so. We've been rocking along. So right now I do want to tell people that um, we've worked it out with our our friendly Nick Neonakis at Franchise Consulting Company that if you're interested in buying a franchise, you can come to the Pillars of Franchising website, fill out on the main page – Uh, or click on the link on the main page and um, fill out a form and get a copy of, yes, the Franchise MBA for free. So, folks, come to the site, fill out the form, get a free copy, buy a franchise, and tell them Ray and Fred sent you. Ooh, pretty cool. And a shout-out to BlastPoint, our newest sponsor, Instant Geographic Insight for Increased Revenue Generation. Really cool software, my friend. Uh, looking forward to getting my hands on it. So, cool. tell me, who's our guest today? Who's our first guest today? Because we have our two. first guest, we, we do, we do. And our first guest is, and forgive me if I mispronounce the name, <laughs> Greg, <laughs> Greg Sousman. How are you doing, Greg? This is uh, Greg Pillar here. <laughs> well, first of all, Greg is CEO of uh, Topper's Craft Creamy, Creamy. I'm, uh, Fred, is, I, I have to get over. You know, Fred is constantly saying I t- I'm too short on on the announcement. So, 
How's that? Does that sound okay, Fred? <laughs> <laughs> well, you missed the fact he's an author of, of a very cool book, um, Inside the Box, which is a, a takeoff on our title of Inside the Ice Cream Box, but he's a really tasty CEO. Hi, Greg. How are we doing today? <laughs> we are doing terrific. Thank you very much for having me. I, I, I got to tell you, you know, Fred, 164 beats per minute is, is very impressive to me. I mean, so that's, you know, that's picking them up and setting them down. So good, good for you. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it got bad when they got me up to three and a half miles an hour and, and 14 uh, degrees incline. And he said, do you want to go for another three minutes? And I said, I'll finish this 90 seconds, but no, thank you for another three. <laughs> Good for you. Congratulations. How about that? That's great. Heart didn't explode. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, thank you. know, thank you guys for having me. Uh, you guys mentioned the, uh, you know, Nick Neonakis and, and, uh, you know, and his book, the franchise MBA, I have read it and, and I have to tell you, it's just an excellent book. And so it's a, it's a really a good resource for folks that are, you know, to looking to kind of find out, you know, really find out what fits. And so, uh, so just, uh, just wanted to give you a personal endorsement on that because it, it really is an exceptionally, exceptionally good book. Didn't you get a signed copy? He signed your yeah, copy. I did. I had you? read it and I, and I brought it to the IFA show and I just walked over to the booth and asked Nick to, to sign it for me. And he did. And Nick was also one of the guys that I had given him an advance a preview copy of my book and I said hey if you wouldn't mind take a look at the book and if you like it uh, put a comment uh, in the comment section so he was one of the he was one of the people that I was able to uh, uh, to have in my comment section at the very beginning of my book just kind of an, uh, an endorsement on the book so I guess I guess it's one of those one author to another and and uh, so he's just very gracious about that I've got a lot of respect for Nick he's just a, a very very solid guy and you know solid book and i was thrilled to have him make a comment on on my book so so let's talk a bit about your book it's inside the box the power of complementary branding um you get a very cool forward um why don't you tell us about your book the the guy who wrote the book forward because that impressed me um because i've seen a dude talk so who, who wrote the forward for your book yeah you bet you know ed renzi was the uh he he started as a grill cook uh, for McDonald's. And then in 1984, uh, they made him the president. And in 91, they made him CEO. Uh, one of the neat things about Ed, a lot of people don't know, is he was the guy that said yes to allowing the Ronald McDonald House to be named the Ronald McDonald House. And so he's on there. He's a lifelong board member for them. Uh, and in 1988, Ed was actually given uh, the Presidential Volunteer Award by President Ronald Reagan. Uh, and so I got to meet Ed, and what happened is I wanted to find out who was in charge of McDonald's when they added soft serve, because that's what we do. We put a complimentary branded product, although McDonald's soft serve is not branded, but we put a complimentary product in to fill a slow day part. And so I run into Ed's name and I researched him and he's done a considerable number of things on, you know, Fox news and CNN. And, and I mean, he's kind of a, he's kind of an industry celebrity, certainly a CEO of McDonald's. And I was able to sit down with him and he was very gracious. I thought I was going to have 15 or 20 minutes. He gave me two and a half hours. Uh, and I said, Ed, why'd you add soft serve? 
he says, Greg, we were looking to have that upsell for the kids that were buying the kids' meals, the people that were buying the value meals, and so they could get that little sweet treat for dessert. And he said, we were also looking to bring in the senior citizens in a much greater way, and what better product to do that with than soft serve. And so they added that uh, to their menu to complement the hamburgers, French fries, that in, and it worked very, very well for them. Uh, and so Ed is just a, a delightful guy, and we actually asked him to be on our advisory board, uh, and he said yes. So not only did he help with the book, but we've actually brought him in as a, as a person kind of to help us strategically uh, in our organization continue to, to grow and scale. Great. What do you want to know about the book? What is complimentary advertising? That's what I want to know. I mean, yeah, complimentary. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Complimentary branding is when you, you know, when you take and you integrate a second brand in with another one. So probably the best example of that that people are most familiar with are the Dunkin' Donuts Baskin Robbins brand. And where I got a lot of my information, at least to start with, is I was a consultant for Allied Demec way back in those days. And what happened is the parent company for Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin Robbins, they bought another brand called Togo's Sandwiches. So, Fred, you're out in California. You're familiar with Togo's. Yes, I am. And what they said is, you know, they said, we need to put together a task force of people that are going to spend you know, 50 or 60 hours a week, you know, all day, every day, eat, sleep, and breathe. How do you integrate these three brands together under one roof? And they picked four consultants and a VP, and they said, you guys need to figure this out. And I was one of those five people on that task force. I was one of those consultants. And so for two years, I ate, slept, and breathed. How do you put uh, donuts and coffee and breakfast sandwiches together with soups and salads, sandwiches and wraps together with ice cream and desserts and, you know, and milkshakes? And how do you integrate those all together successfully? So I got this wonderful 5,000 hours of education over two years on complimentary branding. And then, you know, I think everybody has a, a particular topic that they get passionate about. And for whatever reason, this was mine. So I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a nerd about, you know, complimentary branding. Uh, you can also call it another way to do it is something called fractional franchise. And, uh, and then Joe Matthews, who's a performance franchise group, Joe had a term he called bolt-on brand, which is probably the most descriptive. So, Ray, probably bolt-on branding, if I were to give you a term, that just is, a, is as descriptive of a, of a way to do it as I, can, as I can think of. You basically bolt-on a brand to go inside of another brand. Okay, so okay. what are the key elements – of a complementary brand or a partnership. Yeah, and and I think there's I think there's several, and I'll give you one I'll give you one other great example. The the people that started this everybody's familiar with, and that's Starbucks. You know, back in you know about probably 25 years ago, you could go into a a hotel lobby or the ground floor of a hospital or a military base you know, or, or, a, a, you know, on campus in a university and they would sell coffee, but it would just be coffee. And, uh, and Starbucks said, Hey, what if we said, we'll give you our brand and Starbucks, they were known 25 years ago, certainly not as they are now, but we'll give you our brand. 
We'll set up supply chain. We'll give you all the equipment and set you up with everything you need turnkey. We'll train you how to run it. And then we'll give you the support to make sure that you're running it correctly. So you don't have to create a new brand. You can just use one that's already in place and we'll do everything turnkey. And so they started complimentary branding years ago. And so we just thought it was a good idea. And so we're doing it for, um, you know, we're doing it for soft serve ice cream. So, but I think the thing that um, I, I think there's probably uh, three reasons that you do complimentary brand and three things that it helps with is, is one. And like McDonald's found, you know, McDonald's coming back to them, it'll increase your average ticket. You know, and at the end of the day, I think everybody's looking to figure out how do we, we have this, we have these four walls and how do we increase our revenue inside of that, uh, inside of that space? And so everybody's looking to improve their marketing, to operate more efficiently, uh, and to drive the existing menu offerings that they have. And complementary branding is a little bit of a twist. So it's, a, it's how do you add an outside brand that's a recognized brand inside of that operation to get people's attention to serve, to, to buy what they would not have potentially normally bought. And a, a, a quick example of that. Pizza Hut recently co-branded with Cinnabon. So instead of like all of the other pizza offerings that had the, the dough with, you know, put a little butter on it and then a little cinnamon sugar, you know, everybody offered that. But now I can go to Pizza Hut and if I want a dessert and the sweet and salty always goes together, if I'm having pizza, there's nothing that goes better, you know, with pizza than something sweet, you know, afterwards, whether it's a piece of chocolate, but boy, a, a Cinnabon, uh, product is just fantastic and so Cinnabon made their product available inside a Pizza Hut and and it's really simple the way they set it up to do so your additional labor is almost zero and it's a, the simplicity of the operation is what really makes it key and they've done a nice job in integrating their product to work within the existing equipment and facilities back of the house uh, with with Pizza Hut to make it work so that's that's what complimentary branding is. A couple of examples, the Cinnabon and Pizza Hut, and then the Starbucks and the four different types of, you know, of venues. It's just taking a great brand, you know, and putting it in, you know, so people are going to buy more of that product. <laughs> he said the M word, Ray. Yes, he did. <laughs> So I, I was just trying to figure out, are you familiar with what Dwyer Group has done with uh, the rebranding? Uh, I am not. I know that, uh, I, matter of fact, it's funny. I sent my book out uh, over the weekend. I sent a few copies out, and I had met uh, Dina Dwyer Owens with all the things that uh, she's done. I mean, she's been, a, she's been an amazing uh, contributor to our franchise industry for the past, you know, 20 years or so. But I know they have a family of brands, uh, and they try to integrate some of those. But I'm not. I, I think that might be the next book. Uh, is beyond the oh, okay. food business. What's the, you know, what is the what is the service business, and how do they integrate? But I would love to hear. I would love to hear about that. Yeah, I was just wondering if what they are doing you would call complementary branding, uh, because they're rebranding. Uh, the entire name, they're changing it to uh, Neighborly. And under the right. Neighborly brand, you have, uh, what is it, 15 franchises, I think. So uh, is that 
what would you would call, or, or is that does that have another name, or what they're trying to accomplish? Yeah, I, I think that so complementary branding would be if you have a uh, if you have somebody that as an example, so somebody maybe that has a branded uh, a, a branded franchise that specializes in lawn care and lawn maintenance. And maybe that franchise is in a, you know, is in a northern uh, city or something like that, that it gets cold and the grass goes dormant. So what is there another franchise that could use the same equipment? So maybe they go out with the same van or the same truck or the same trailer and they use, maybe it's a different piece of equipment, but the process is the same. And so do you take a tractor off of the van and cut the grass or do you take a, a, a snowblower off of the, you know, off of the van and you clear snow. And so complementary branding in the service segment would be utilizing the same people and some of the same resources that they have. Maybe you pick up a new one or two pieces of equipment, but it would be doing the same process, you know, uh, of, of what the primary brand does. So, you know, when you're cutting grass, you're sitting on a machine and you're, you know, running around and you're, cutting the grass and you're blowing it somewhere else and the process for clearing snow would be the same process you're taking a machine you're running it down a particular uh, place and then you're throwing the byproduct off to the side and and so it's just thinking along those process oriented uh, uh, pathways and, and what's what's similar so you don't have to teach a whole new process you just have to train somebody how to use a simple piece of equipment so it's all about keeping similar processes as complementary branding. So you already have the operations part for the most part, and now you can include by complementary branding these different uh, uh, other types of, of services. So I, I, I think that explanation, yeah. may, I thoroughly understand what you're talking about now. Yeah, and that's exactly it. It's a, you know, you, you don't want to have to train people to do new process, and it's really leveraging uh, the resources that you have during the slower time. So in the food business, mm. if you're any kind of a, you know, main course besides a, you know, a meat and a, and a, and a side dish, you know, your primaries are going to be lunch and dinner day parts. So your afternoon and evening day parts are typically going to be slower just because people aren't having an entree, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and so it's the same right. thing in the service category. So there are seasonal slow times, you know, and how do you use either the resources of equipment or how to use the resources of uh, uh, people uh, to, to, to really make sure you're getting a, a highly efficient use of resources and, you know, and people a hundred percent of the time. And, and, you know, that's one of the things uh, that I see too. I see my cars, uh, I don't know if, if you know, I have a Molly made franchise. I see my cars sitting there okay. on the weekends. I see them sitting there after five o'clock and I'm thinking, how can I use them more? How can I expand my operations part just slightly and, and uh, use that a little bit more? You know, you, you just hate to see some of these things go to waste sometimes. Sure. Absolutely. So, Ray. I'm with you a hundred percent. And so the, you know, the, in that particular thing, the first thing that pops into my mind is, so what's the, what's the opportunity there? So is there a, you've got the same people doing the same process. Is it, do you uh, set up contracts with banks uh, or uh, mm -hmm. you know, office buildings and you go in? So, you know, they're, you're cleaning them at nighttime and on the weekends. And so it's a, you know, is it a flip, 
uh, is it a flip of that? You know, do your, what are the hours that your people want? It's a, you know, so it's just, it's just the synergy of what you do and it's plugging those processes into what other, you know, what other pathways are, are available. We've talked about yep. that, haven't yep. we, Ray? We have. And we need to talk about <laughs> something else right now, don't we? It's about that time to pay the electric bill. Yes, we're going to pay the electric <laughs> bill here, folks. So, a uh, reminder, and I've been getting text messages from people all over the U.S. Uh, hey, Charles, glad you're listening. Um, you can we want to thank Link Local Network for broadcasting our show. You can dial in at 323-580-5755, ask questions, or just listen. That's 323-580-5755. Fred says in his announcer voice. Uh, you can also uh, chat live at www.pillarsoffranchising.com, and we'll answer, get your questions asked, and hopefully answered. And now a word from Michelle. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new move-ins to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y dot com. And we're back, Ray. Pretty cool. Yes, we are. Yes, absolutely. I do uh, want to mention something. I noticed that. Uh, uh, oops. Boy, the Someone mobile broadcasting way, studio is getting honked at. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, sorry hey, about Greg, that. I, that was on my end, fellas. I'm, I am standing oh, okay. in a parking lot with my windows down at the Renaissance Orlando SeaWorld, and it's a Chamber of Commerce day down here. Uh, and so I think somebody just set their car alarm off accidentally. So we oh. didn't, uh, actually we, we missed the two main questions of where Greg's at, and he told us that. So the other main question is, what's the weather like, given that Ray and I both have crappy weather? <laughs> yeah, and I'm really sorry to hear that. It's, uh, it's about 70 degrees, bright, sunshiny uh, day, a little bit of a breeze, and you know it's just it's it's exactly what you what you love to have when you come to Florida. Ah, nice. I used to have that <laughs> last year. Never mind. <laughs> I I just wanted to mention something, uh, Greg. You had a a, a stint with uh, uh, Beefo Brady's, and is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, I, I was the uh, I, I did uh, I ran operations and then did franchise sales for the U.S. for their brand. I uh, I just wanted to mention that in my, in my travels uh, with my wife and I, uh, she's from Cape Girardeau, and we just so happened to run into one of her former students 
when she taught grade school, who now owns a beef O'Brady's in Cape Girardeau. So oh, that was, how about uh, that? Yeah, just uh, I just wanted to mention that. That's all. How about anyway? That? How about that? So, so Fred, we've been, what's your next yeah. question? So we've been we've been question? talking a lot about the book, and so I want to know more about how you started Toppers, Toppers Craft Creamery, because books are nice and you can read them. However, Toppers is much tastier. Yeah, you can't eat a book. <laughs> well, you can, but it's really kind of dry, and you got to be really hungry. But ice cream? Okay. A lot of ketchup. <laughs> eat a lot of ketchup, and that, you don't need that with an ice cream. So uh, ice cream, yeah. And, and uh, my my partner was checking out the site, and like, wow, these look like they're really tasty. So tell us more about the tasty <laughs> side of Greg. Sure, sure. Thank you. We uh, – uh, you know, we, we started almost almost 13 years ago, and so uh, uh, my partner is a guy that I've known for a very, very long time. He hired me into Domino's when I was 23. Uh, he was 22, and at the, at the ripe old age of 22, he was running oper- corporate operations for Florida for Domino's. And so uh, Wade has wow. been very successful in his career. He actually then later on went over to Papa John's, and he was the chief operating officer that built Papa John's into a billion dollar brand with his team. And uh, Wade is still one of their larger franchisees. And so years ago, Wade said, Hey, I think we want to do an ice cream brand. Do you want to co-found it with me uh, and build it together? And, you know, I'm kind of giggling because it, you know, is that a trick question? You know, because it it was a no brainer. (laughs) I mean, a guy that I respect and admire and wanted to build a brand and, you know, when he when Wade's talking about it, he just kind of jokes about it. He says, look, I've got pizza. He said, my three favorite foods are pizza, uh, burritos, and so he owns Qdoba franchises, and ice cream. And so we started an ice cream uh, concept. And so the reason he did it is Wade has this wonderful organization. Uh, his average general manager in Papa John's has been with him for over 15 years, which is just wow. unheard of uh, in the food industry. And so it was just, it's, it was neat to have that. But he says, listen, I want to create a legacy brand so the people that are in our organization and maybe their kids, we can build this brand. It can be an equity opportunity for our general managers to maybe buy a little piece of the territory or a little piece of the company. And it can allow them to have some of the financial security that they have certainly well earned uh, inside of our our organization. So that's kind of the genesis of, of why we did it. It wasn't, uh, you know, a, a franchise or on a, let's see, let's see how many franchises we can sell, how fast on a, on a money grab. It was to really build a, a legacy franchise that we can, you know, hand off to whether it's our children or the children of team members uh, as we, you know, over the next, you know, 10 or 15 years as we, you know, as time, as, as father time be, continues to become a little less kind to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then we, and, and for our, our product, I, I love telling the story of our product. It took us a year uh, and probably 120 different recipes in order to get our vanilla. We were very, very thorough. We did a considerable wow. amount of testing. And so we really went through the process because at the end of the day, 
is an ice cream shop, you have to have a vanilla that people taste and they go, wow. Uh, and so we have a proprietary vanilla that goes in our proprietary vanilla recipe, um, you know, to really make what we, what we have. And pretty much everywhere we enter, whether it's, you know, Clearwater or Popco or over in Brevard County, pretty much any time we enter any kind of a uh, taste of this or, you know, it's a taste of a popcorn or whatever, we typically will win best ice cream or, uh, or best dessert. We've won, we've won best of literally everywhere we've uh, got a location. So how does one become a taste tester? Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> You you come to when you come to Florida you call me and you say Greg I want to do some sampling and I meet you and we we do some we do some quality some quality assurance checks. I'm fine with that. <laughs> we can work that. Out. I will look forward to that with both of you guys. Um, yeah. I, I will tell you that I'm I'm getting texts from people that say you're very informative and uh, great sense of humor and and they're enjoying the show so. Um, you're, you're rocking. You're rocking the first part of the show, Greg. Well, thank you. And I, I guess one half. of the you know, well, one of the other things you ask about the about the ice cream brand is the you know because of what I did back in the early 2000s, you know, I'm I'm kind of an out of the box type of guy. My my favorite quote uh, is probably from Henry Ford, and you know, Henry Ford said, you know, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. And so I, I kind of giggle about that. I'm wondering, you know, I'm wondering if that, if, if Henry Ford wasn't alive or had never come to be, would we, would I be sitting in the parking lot at the Renaissance Orlando SeaWorld, you know, on the top of a horse with a lot of road noise? Uh, and so, uh, you know, and so I think that, you know, that's, and that's really what we're talking about here and what, what we try to do. I'm not, you know, I, I like anybody else, I want to promote our brand, but I think what we're really trying to do is something bigger than that. And I think what the book does, instead of just promoting one particular uh, venture, is the thing I really wanted to happen with the book is I wanted people to read the book and say, how does this fit for me? What does this look like for me and for, for our brand? And so, you know, ice cream doesn't fit everywhere. You know, probably the two products that are the most universal, uh, you know, unicorn type of products are probably coffee and maybe cookies, but there's so many different things. I talked about Cinnabon, I, you know, and there are other cinnamon bun brands, you know, you could do smoothies or churros or pretzels, or there are so many different categories, you know, that could fit in this particular realm of business as a bolt-on brand. And I think that's really the whole objective and where I see the industry going is, if you've got a box that's doing a million bucks and you can add a complimentary brand in that does you know, 50,000 or 70,000 in incremental sales, you know, just five to 7%, the profitability on that 50,000 bucks should be 25 or 30,000. And that could really be the difference maker for that, you know, for that operator. I mean, that, that could be college tuition, know for one of their kids and so that's kind of what that's what we're looking at and it's just a it's just something new people haven't talked about it but the idea makes sense there have been brands at pizza kfc taco bell you know put brands together but they weren't complementary brands they weren't filling complementary spaces and i think you know ray what we were talking about a little bit earlier 
I think the biggest thing people have to look at when you're going to add something is how does it integrate with our existing brand? You know, we're doing, we're doing this thing in the Tampa Bay market with a, a Kawa coffee. They're a local coffee distributor here and they've got a fantastic product. And so they've got their coffee menu. We've got a very simple ice cream menu, fresh waffle cones, fresh waffle bowl sundaes, and kids cones. So it's a very simple thing. But then we've got another menu that we're creating that has things like an affogato, which is ice cream with a shot of espresso in it, or, you know, a frappe that's got soft serve with espresso with some of their, you know, you use their caramel sauce or our caramel sauce. And so how does the brand integrate? And so when you're thinking about complementary branding, you got to think you're not stacking blocks you're putting together Legos. And, and so it's really thinking along that integration is the critical element uh, of what, you know, what really uh, makes this successful because no integration, you're, it's just not, it's not really going to work. It's just shared space where you're sharing bathrooms and dining room and, and back room and that's fine, but the, it's not going to, it's not going to maximize uh, what you're looking for. Okay, so, so we're talking about wait, we're, we're talking wait, about wait, Ray. Wait, wait, wait. I, wait, wait, I got wait, one wait, quick wait. question because if I if I oh. don't get this one out, I'll, I'll lose it. Right, I just want to confirm something I heard that an outside of the box type of guy wrote the book inside the box. <laughs> <laughs> yep, guilty as charged. Okay, just just wanted to make sure I heard that. Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So, so we're, we're talk, we talked a little bit about. I mean, you're. This is a franchise, and right, Coppers is a franchise, right? Yes. In Orlando. Okay. And uh, so, co-branding. I mean, uh, complementary branding uh, is taking that concept and putting it in, into another thing. So, I'm just trying to figure out how can I. Well, Will the soft serve machine fit in the back of a Chevy Sonic? That's what I was wondering. <laughs> I need delivers ice cream. So we have to go around cleaning work. houses and, and, and sell ice cream to all the kids on the box, you know. <laughs> we lose Greg? Uh, I think he's I'm here. back. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, so could we put the topper soft serve into the Molly Maid cars? <laughs> we can do anything that we want to do. So the the question is not always the question to to the uh, or the answer to the question of can we is almost always going to be yes. We can figure out a way that we can. The real question is should we? And so that's probably <laughs> going to take a little bit more <laughs> a little bit more uh, brain power together to figure out if that makes sense. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be fun. I like that idea, right? I think that works. We clean your house and bring there the you ice cream. Um, and there's, I, your, yeah. there's your utilization of the vehicles in the evening and weekends, which are the there strongest times yeah. for ice cream. Uh, you know, I think that I think that works, my friend. We'll have to talk about this one later. I like it. Wow, we learn so much on this show, don't we? Um, yes. <laughs> So what's your next question, Ray? That was my question. Um, I mean, that, so, that, that, all right, that so. was actually Greg's number two question, okay, was well, how much space do you need? And that was my question. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking he says on here approximately four feet by 30 inches. 
I don't know. I, we're gonna have to shrink those machines down a little bit. <laughs> you can't, yeah, you couldn't you know, get in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that so that and it's gonna that's gonna vary for everybody. And so with us, I mean, our machine is 20 inches wide. Uh, and, and so if it was, if you look at the back counter of any brand, most of the counters are two and a half feet out. So for us, we can go into four linear feet, uh, you know, left to right, you know, coming out 30 inches. So you're adding, you know, in 10 square feet, you're putting an operation that could do, I mean, volume capacity is substantially higher than, you know, than a thousand bucks a week. It depends on, you know, the question is really one of demand more than the ability to, you know, to operate that. But, and I think when you're looking at complementary brands, they're all going to have different footprints. And so if you're doing pretzel, you've got a, you've got a mixer, unless the dough comes in frozen, you've got an oven. Um, in the Pizza Hut example, their incremental square foot was literally zero. I mean, they had to have a place to put a, a box or a case of the, uh, the uh, pans that they put this in. They've got to have a place for the frosting, and they have to have a place in the freezer in order to put the frozen pucks when they come in. But the equipment is zero. You know, they don't have to have extra equipment because they can use it integrating the existing equipment that they have. And so, you know, when we were talking earlier about integrating, so is there a brand that maybe does cinnamon buns or does pretzels that has an oven, or maybe it's a sandwich brand that has a turbo chef oven that can bake cookies or pretzels or other products that will complement their primary day parts with maybe the snack or treat day part with something that they can use in that same piece of equipment. So it's, it's really thinking it, it's so individual you know, because of whatever brand you are, you look at what are your resources that you have that you can cross use those resources with other brands. And then what, which of those other things that you could do make the most sense that your customers are going to buy. Okay. So you're a, as you said, a bolt on franchise, what's the weirdest franchise that bolted you on? <laughs> So far, we've just been very traditional. Uh, and so oh, we've boy. been with several different coffee brands. We've uh, had smoothies. We've got smoothies in a couple of our locations. We just added Otis Spunkmeyer cookies to one of our locations. And so, you know, when we're doing this, we're just looking for synergy. So probably the weirdest is we did a, one of the pilot interface tests that we did was with Nature's Table. And so uh, Rich Wagner and his team, they have a great brand at Nature's Table. They're, it's a very healthy uh, sandwiches, salads, wraps. They've got a, just a fantastic menu. I think they've got about 90 locations across the country. And we went into their actually their alpha location uh, over in the Melbourne Square Mall. He was selling frozen yogurt. People really you know, weren't buying a bunch of it. They were buying some. And we put our product in there. And his sales went up almost 40% in his, uh, in his soft serve frozen treat. But you've got a, a very high calorie, uh, very high fat product <laughs> in with this healthy. And so it just kind of, it just kind of didn't fit, you know, what's happened to, you know, it's it, it, there was a disconnect there. So it's like, a, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm on a, you know, I'm on a very, very strict diet, you know, you know, so I'm, you know, I'm having diet Coke and drinking a lot of water. And then you have, you know, then you, you know, have a, you know, a dish of Haagen-Dazs for a dessert or something like that. That's 800 calories in a cup. 
And so, you know, so that just it, it, it didn't it, it fit operationally. The customers liked it because it was at a it was at a mall location. It just didn't fit with their brand. Uh, and so, so we just kind of you know, Rich and I are still you know, Rich and I are still good friends, and I have a lot of respect for each other. And uh, but it didn't that that one didn't that one didn't really fit. And it ha- it has to fit, you know. And nothing's going to fit everywhere. So that means that, no on athletic clubs and gymnasiums. <laughs> you know, pro- probably not. Uh, and so, you know, although it's one of those things that's a, uh, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons that it, that that people go to the that people go to the gym so they can burn off yeah. 300 calories so they can eat 400 when they come out. And it's funny because one of our one of our freestanding locations with the drive-through is that the is an out parcel for a crunch fitness. Uh, and so uh, and we get a, let's just say we have a lot of people in workout gear that go through our drive-through and I'll, and I'll leave it at that. So they, <laughs> I, you know, I, I always thought when you buy a diet drink, that cancels all the calories that you eat with it. Doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, a double Big yeah. Mac and Biggie fries and a diet Coke, zero calories, right? <laughs> Well, one one of the things we try to practice is before we hand somebody an ice cream cone is we'll put a little bit of a crack in it, and that way the the principle of calorie leakage will apply. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that. I got to remember that one. Won't do me any good, but I really do. I got to remember that one. I like that. So just a, a quick question, and then I guess we need to go to a, another commercial. Uh, so what would be the you know, up to the entrepreneurs who have a franchise right now thinking their head spinning right now, how can they add a complementary brand? What would be the uh, initial outlay on something like that? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to depend on the brand. And so it, it really needs to be minimal because what you're trying to do is you're trying to capture a, a, a really favorable risk versus reward scenario. So if it costs you, you know, 50 or 75,000 bucks to do something like this, then you're you're kind of missing the point on that. I mean, if, for for us, you know, it's a, a we have a we have a franchise fee. It's $10,000. And then you can buy the entire equipment package, uh, which can be between fifteen and eighteen thousand, uh, or you can lease it. You know, we've got a we've got a program, or we'll do a turnkey. So you just pay the franchise fee, and then we'll put everything in for you. And then we just pay us an equipment lease, and so that way your return on investments are you know are are much nicer. Your cash outlay is less, but your ongoing profits are going to be a little less because you're paying for the lease. And so if you go in and do it with a smoothie, you know, your cost on adding a smoothie brand is you've got a, a cold well, which is probably 2,500 bucks. You've got a a two or three nice blenders. You've got some small wares. So a smoothie brand, you can probably get into for, you know, 3,500 or 4,000 in, in, you know, Mm. pretzels, all the different things, uh, cinnamon buns, there are different brands out for each one of those. And so it just depends on, what the product is that you bring in, if it can be cross-used with some of your uh, existing equipment, or if you need new equipment. So there are different there are different answers to that question. Uh, I, I would keep you know the everybody you know, operators are going to be able to do their own 
uh, assessment of risk versus reward. But, you know, if your cash outlay on something like this is 10 grand, you know, your, you know, your, your risk of failure uh, is very, very low. And so if you make, you know, even if something does terrible, $10,000 back, it takes two years to get that. That's still a 50% return on investment, you know, which is a, which is a number that most everybody would be delighted to take, you know, on any, on any given day. And so I think that's a secret. And I think that's why I feel very strongly about, about this whole thing, because the business model for this bolt on branding is just rock solid. And so that's where I think it's going to shake the industry up over the next five years. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm just wondering, yeah, I'm wondering in two years how much weight I'd gain, man. I'd I'd easily (laughs) gain all the the 26 pounds I've lost already back. I'd probably gain that back in like two months. I don't know. It's going dangerous. Product well, and I think you know. the other, I think the other part of it too, and you know, Ray, with your you know with your franchise, I I think the same principles apply, and we've really got to look at this. I mean, gosh, if 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 a Mary Made operator could add another brand that was going to keep fifty or sixty percent profit, and it only represented five to seven percent of what they were doing in top line sales, you're talking about a nice little you know a nice little addition to that. And if in your case the upside. You know, I mentioned the, you know, the you, you go to that evening uh, office, you know, office cleaning. I, I, I'm not sure how much extra equipment or what extra uh, things would be necessary in order to do that. I mean, if you're doing, you know, maybe you're doing, you know, you're stripping and waxing floors. And so maybe you've got a, you know, a stripper and a buffer and some of that kind of stuff. But the actual pragmatic things, when you stop and look at the incremental investment, typically are very low and should have a, a, a very uh, quick uh, payback period. So, and it's just, so it's just thinking along, it's thinking along those lines. Yep. Yep. Just, just a, a, a little side note there. The business models are pretty different and we are a Molly made. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, boy, did I put my foot in my mouth? Yeah. Don't, don't feel bad. You know, it, it, yeah. Anytime you can mention the name, and especially we can, uh, we do we do get a lot of customers who call us and say, uh, "Well, you know, we've been you've been cleaning us for years." I said, "No, we haven't. We don't we don't see you in our database and find out there with the uh, uh, with the other company." But uh, yeah, I'm sure it happens the the other way around because the names sound familiar. But uh, you know, yeah, my apologies. It is what it is. No, no problem. No problem. <laughs> I knew that was good. I knew that was going up. So, uh, before we run the commercial, we've had Greg on for quite a while now, um, and we know he has places to go. So, my last question is, is uh, how do people find out more information about you, and how do they get a hold of you? Sure. Um, we've got, uh, so if you want specific information about uh, our Topper's Craft, Cream, uh, Topper's Craft Creamery product, you can go to topperscraftcreamery.com. It'll tell you uh, everything you want to know about us. There is an assessment uh, that you can take to see if this does make sense for you. Uh, my contact information uh, is on that website. If you're looking for a little bit more information about complementary branding, you know, we felt like we have a responsibility to our community, and so we have the website complementarybranding.com. 
you can go to that. There's information a little more generic uh, to complementary branding, you know, some different articles and the ultimate guide to complementary branding, some different tools. Uh, there are the complete assessments there. So if you want to add a complementary brand to your existing location, there's a very thorough, I think, six or seven page assessment for that. There's also an assessment if you want to become a complementary brand. How do we take our brand and make it into a complementary brand? So there's that website. And if you want a little bit more information about the book, the website for the book is insidetheboxbook.com. So those are the three best ways to get some additional information uh, and to contact me. The, the book is available through the, the inside the book, uh, inside the box book.com website. It's also on Amazon uh, in paperback. Uh, in Kindle form, and it'll be coming out in about 60 days on Audible as well. So that way folks can have it, whatever uh, the best way that works for them would be. And you can find the link to Amazon if you go to Greg's bio page on thepillarsoffranchising.com. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thanks for spending time with us and telling us about complimentary branding. Pretty cool. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. We'll talk soon. Got to have you back. So, folks, I'll look forward to it. Uh, yeah, so will I. You too, right? Right? Yes. Oh, that's what I thought. Thanks, Greg. You bet. So, you bet. Thank you. We'll take a quick break here. Remind our listeners if you're on the website, and I can see all you people hanging out on the website, uh, that you can use the chat to ask questions, or you can call in at 323 580 5755. Or you can continue to text me for those of you who have been texting me with questions. It's all rocking. So another word from our sponsor. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest-reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. Thanks, Nick, and want to remind everyone we've actually simplified that process by you can now fill out the form on the PillarsOfFranchising.com website, and we'll get that wonderful book into your hands. So, Ray, who's our next guest? Our next guest is Phyllis Pierre. How are you doing, Phyllis? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Thanks for having great. me on the show. So how and bad did he is bangle a... the last name? Pardon me? How how bad did Ray mangle the last name? <laughs> the last name's Pierre. Yeah, not bad, Ray. Hey. You got about 85%. <laughs> right. I nailed it. I nailed it. There we go. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> so, number one question. Okay, Number I one think question. Greg is driving. I think he is. Um, I think he is. Where are you, and what's the weather like? I'm in Issaquah, Washington, 
and it has been snowing, but it finally stopped this afternoon. All right, Ray. We're having the weirdest weather. It is. This whole country is having the weirdest weather. I know, right? Well, but see, that's why I'm going to move to California. I'm about done with this weather now. (laughs) That's why I left it. I left the Midwest. Yeah. Tired of the weather. Go ahead, You know, I I really enjoyed your last guest. And I wanted to throw something out real quick before we start, which we, anyway. Um, One of the other type of brands that are good for co-branding is the printing and sign industry. So Fast Signs is doing a lot of co-branding where they're getting independent sign people or independent printers and having them co-brand with them. It's been a very successful program. So... Since you, you you asked it, are they doing anything with marketing companies? You know, I don't know that they're doing anything with marketing companies. What Catherine is mainly focused on is that it's all about communication, anything that will actually, anything that has to do with marketing communication. So if you think about it with your marketing background, you know that all of those things are integrated. And it used to be that, You know, the printers were just doing ink on paper, then everything became very digital. And the sign industry has, you know, signs are everywhere. As a matter of fact, when I used to sell for Sir Speedy, I used to, you know, lose deals to the sign business all the time, and I could never understand why. Well, I didn't understand the vastness of the sign business. So it's a really good compliment. So the person doesn't start a business, get the sign, the signage, and the branding, and then go to somebody else to do all their printing. Now they just do it all in one in one place. I, that's why, and, to me, it's always been a mark. I had a client in earlier today that they're new, and we're finishing off mm-hmm. logos and finished off logos and finished off finishing off websites and all that good junk. And it's like, okay. Need the the printers finally gotten this stuff, but they and so on and so forth. So there's that back and forth. And um, yep. So let's talk offline about this topic of okay. Best time of course. Today. Okay, go ahead, sure. right? <laughs> go ahead. Offline. Sorry. Yeah, my evil friend <laughs> laughed. Never mind. <laughs> so Phyllis. You are a, a franchise consultant with the Franchise Consulting Company. Is that correct? Yes, I am, as a matter of fact. Okay. So tell me, what do you do? Oh, well, good question. So I am uh, I'm a consultant and a franchise coach, and I help individuals who are unemployed or don't like their job. I work with clients who are retired and bored. And I identify what their strengths are, their goals, you know, what their desires are and passions, and I help them find a franchise that matches that. I'm like a real estate agent. I don't charge for my services. My service is free. But I love what I do because instead of me trying to sell somebody something, I'm really spending time getting to know them and figuring out, it's like putting a puzzle together, what would be a really good match for them. So how many people, do you just cover like Washington now? 
or no, I do you help no, no, I cover the whole country. And most of my work is done on the phone. And it's funny because when I used to sell franchises, I would get, you know, I would get on an airplane and I would go to the person and do my presentation and all that stuff. And today, I don't see the people a lot. I never meet them. It's all done over the phone. We just live in a different world. Mm-hmm. So clearly so I have to develop a lot of trust with my clients, right? Yeah. Uh, well, Very true. Go ahead, Ray. You, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, previously uh, you, you had a company called Your Franchise Coach for 33 years. Is that correct? Yeah. So I've been in franchising my whole career. And so the, you know, your franchise coach or Lovegren Enterprises, it's just the businesses that I've done throughout the years. You know, I've helped startup mm-hmm. companies. So I'm kind of, I have a very broad franchising background because I've been a franchise owner with Sir Speedy. I've spent 10 years in automotive. Um, I've done startup franchises. One happened to be the Grout Doctor. That was a very interesting experience. And sold for Sir Speedy, and then 17 years ago got into being a franchise coach. And that's really my favorite because I love helping people. It's just part of my DNA. And this way I can really help, you know, help them with their future and help them get into something that they really enjoy. Too many Americans today are spending so much time doing things they don't enjoy. That's true. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. You know, my- Mm-hmm. Yeah, my definition of hell is going to work every day for a job you hate. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So I say to people, and they laugh at me, but I got this from John Astaroff, and it's, you know, I want to find you a business where you can play where you work. Yeah. Because, you know, if you really enjoy what you're doing, it doesn't feel like work. And that's, that's because you that's, need to be true. doing the things you're really good at, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Totally. You, you mentioned um, you mentioned automotive uh, selling automotive franchises, service franchises, mm-hmm. or yeah. So okay. yeah. So what we did it was back in the early '80s. Remember when the um, gas stations started rent- leasing out the back bays of their service stations? All they wanted to do was pump uh-huh. gas. And so what we would do is we would go in and lease out the back bays and we would convert, you know, they, we take over the automotive parts. And so we would, it was a seller assisted program or a license agreement, you call it today. So we did that Mm -hmm. for 10 years. And so I would help sell the people. I would help train the people. I would do their marketing. Um, You know, I was involved in every aspect of it. But what happened was they started tearing out the stations and putting in super pumpers. And they, we kind of got caught in between the time of the super pumpers and the automotive strip centers. So, I was going to say, to our younger curious. listeners, to our younger listeners, there was a day before when it was less about the size of the <laughs> snack bar and more that you could actually get service work done on your car. Um, That's right. Yeah. These are yeah. also the days yeah. we used to have VCRs instead of mm-hmm. uh, exactly, streaming on right? So one of the things when we started, we bought nine automotive tune-up centers from actually we bought it from Jim Miriam, who was the original president of Sir Speedy. So that was kind of an interesting situation. So we had nine and then we started selling them off. And uh, 
then we found that we really enjoyed because you know franchise franchising was kind of in our DNA. We really enjoyed the helping the people get started up and and moving forward. So it was a great experience. But I don't know why women don't get into automotive. It's a great business. It's all about customer service. Mm-hmm. So actually, yeah. let me ask this. So our our listenership so very close to forty percent female, and yet mm-hmm. franchise owner women franchise ownership is only about thirty point six percent. I know. Why do you think there is? Why do you think that is? Okay, so my guess is that women executives, quite honestly, I think when they think franchising, they think food, and a lot of people don't want the they don't want food if they haven't been raised in in an environment, if they didn't work at McDonald's and all those kind of things, that seems to be a common thread that we see. I would tell you 90% of the people when they first work with me say they want food. And then I help them understand what food would be like. And a lot of times they change your mind. So I'm on a quest to try and educate executive women for them to consider franchising because it's a great business model. I mean, they can have autonomy. They don't have to ask their husband to help them with anything because they've got the franchisor, they've got other franchisees, and they've got, you know, the coaches that come along with helping them be successful. I love it. Gary Vee at the convention said he kind of feels like franchising is like being an entrepreneur with training wheels. And, you know, if you think about it, you know, if you're not a total startup, want to do everything, it's a franchising is just a great way to go. So I got to tell you, after, after having Greg on the show, I want food too. Never of mind. course you do. <laughs> I, had, I had a spinach salad for lunch. So the ice cream, the idea of ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> that spinach salad will definitely cancel the calories. Yeah, yeah, well, as long as it cleans the arteries, that's what I care about. But yeah, well, just keep telling yourself that, and it, it just might work. Well, that's the reason I eat it is because it's one of those top ten foods that cleanses arteries. But enough the health stuff, unless we're going to talk about health food. Um, <laughs> so, what do you see? What have you seen? Let's say in the last six months, are the franch the hot franchises being bought? I would tell you that fitness is definitely top on the list. Everybody is excited about fitness. I think our country is going through a, a um, I don't want to say revolution, but I think people are understanding more and more how important it is to be fit. And, you know, so there's kind of something for everybody. I know myself, I have a personal trainer at the franchise that comes to my house and trains me once a week. And then I go do Pilates once a week. Um, I know at my age it's really important for me to work out. And I think as, as people are getting older and better educated, they understand that's a good, good way to go standpoint. It's a great business model because it can be run at semi-absentee. So it's really designed that if you love what you're doing and you've got a job, you can keep your job, but then you can also build a business on the side. So there's that. Food, of course, is always the biggest category. There's a lot of really neat, organic, healthy food models that are coming out that people are um, really excited to get involved in. So, And the service industry is always big because we live in a time-starved world where people need to have services. 
And with the Dwyer group converting to neighborly, the beauty of that whole thing is that there's going to be all the cross-advertising they can do. So Molly Maid, who's one of the Dwyer group and now neighborly, comes to my house, and they can leave me a flyer for Mr. Handyman because they notice I have something that needs repair or whatever. So it's all that cross-marketing they can do across the different channels, which is brilliant. Yes, I think it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But but, uh, you you said that you really really like the printing industry. Uh, Why is that? I don't know. I think it's often been said that I have ink in my blood, and I think that does happen (laughs) with people who have gotten into that business early on. Because remember, when I got in the printing business was in the 70s, and we literally did have ink, ink on paper, hard to believe. But um, so I don't know. There's just something about it. I like the creativity of it. I like seeing things finished. Um, and so whenever – so I'm always kind of in that realm. I'm all, You know, like I volunteer at, at church, so what do I do? I do the marketing, and I do the website, and, you know, I did the signs for the church when they rebranded. I just – I can't, it's kind of in my DNA. I can't, I can't get rid of it. And yet I love what I do. So that's why I keep doing what I'm doing. Plus I like the flexibility. I've, I have a daughter with special needs and I've always needed to be available and flexible for her. So being in a position where I had a retail location to go to wouldn't be a good fit for me. And and speaking of franchising and being in business, that does, often give you that flexibility that you may need for uh, someone uh, who has a child with special needs or other interests. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, because, you know, I don't think people have a hard time connecting working for a large company and having to clock in and clock out and, you know, all of that stuff that people in corporate America have to do. And when you own your own business, I mean, heck, when we had our printing business, I mean, we would take off and we would come back and our employees would say, did you have to hurry back? We were doing just fine without you. (laughs) So, right? You know, with your mind business, I mean, there's a wonderful thing about being the owner of the business. Yeah, you're going to work your tail off. But on the other hand, guess what? You're in charge of your calendar. So you do get get to go to Billy's soccer game and you do get to take Sally, you know, to ballet and all those kind of things. That's right. So, That's and right. I don't think people realize that 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 really is possible. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you may have to work your butt off when you first start the business, as as I did. Uh, but mm-hmm. then, if you if if you build it right and you you begin with the end in mind, you yep. know, and uh, and start training the employees to to run the business properly then you don't have to worry about it when you get down the road, you know. Absolutely. Right now I'm, I on, think, I'm on vacation, you know, and I'll be on vacation for another couple more weeks. No, you're right. not. You're, you're, you're doing work for Pillars <laughs> of Franchising, going out and getting us new guests. He's, yeah, he's tuning in. But, but to that point, I think you're absolutely right, and I think it's the type of owner you become. First of all, I don't care what kind of business you go into – the learning curve is steep and it's hard and it's frustrating and it's scary. But you, mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to have that if you start a new job or you start a business, I don't care what it is. The learning curve is always going to be there. But if you right. learn to be a good delegator and empower your employees 
And you do that by complimenting them, by, in, you know, acknowledging them, doing those things where they feel like they're really part of the family. I think that environment makes such a difference. And, you know, we learned at the IFA convention how important it is to be mindful of how things are changing and that you need to use technology and instead of, you know, have put incentives in and, and have the millennials, you know, reach levels. They relate to levels because of levels in games. All of those kind of things right. are really important. What, what, one of the important things, uh, we, we try to hire from within and all, nearly all of my management staff is from uh, inside who mm-hmm. work in the field. And I try to recognize abilities in, in these individuals that they didn't even know they had and try yep. to cultivate cultivate the, the, those abilities. And it has worked out tremendously, uh, I, I think, and we have a fantastic management staff as well as a fantastic field staff that is just outstanding. And I'm very proud of them. And I, yep. I, I do consider, consider them family. I really do. Yep. And it makes a difference. I mean, you know, it, it really does. Uh, the CEO of uh, College Hunks, one of the things that he does is he has a wall. You might, you might like this. He has a wall that he puts business books on, and they're there for his employees to take if they want. So if they want to learn about something, learn about management, learn about leadership, whatever it is, he has those books. It's like a personal library, and they can take it and keep it, or they can take it and bring it back, and he just replenishes it. But his way of giving them an opportunity to improve themselves, I just think that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I love franchising. <laughs> I love, you love franchising too, don't you, Ray? I do. I really do. I think it's the easiest way to get become an entrepreneur, become a business owner. Uh, yep. I'm sure you can you, you can start on your own, but uh, statistically, the success rate is only 20% of the people who start a business on their own, uh, you know, become successful. But that yep, number reverses with a franchise. Um, I don't know if that's changed over the years, but uh, that's. One of the things I learned when I was doing my research on what franchise mm-hmm. I was going to invest in. So actually, so, uh, yeah, has it changed? It's less than ten percent will last more than five. Yeah, it's less than ten percent that'll last more than five years. Wow. Well, and and see, quite honestly, restaurants are one of the biggest failures, and I think yes. one of the yes. reasons for that is it's too easy for them to get into business. Because they go to, like, Cisco, and the people there say, oh, here, let me help you design a menu. And these poor people, they get into business, and, and all of a sudden they go, oh, my God, what was I thinking? You know, or yeah. the other thing that happens is somebody's clicking around on the Internet, like everybody does, and they find something that looks really cool, and they get sold, which is that's the guy's job. But then they don't do the investigation. I make sure that my people talk to franchise owners, and they're really clear on what the business model is, and they really like the business model. They're not saying to me, well, Phyllis, when I get into that franchise, I'm going to change this, that, and the other thing. No, pass. We're not going there. Because if that's your attitude, you're not (laughs) going to be the franchise owner, and you won't be successful. Right? That's correct. Yes. Okay. So So that brings up a very – you just said a very pertinent topic because 
uh, we're working on a blog post on uh, FDDs. And so what do you think is the most important, what part of the FDD would you start with first? Or what, what are the first two or three pieces that you tell people do not miss? Please don't say read everything. Or we already have a past no. guest who said read everything. And I'm not saying yeah, you shouldn't no, read everything. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I, first of all, the, I want them to see if there's any litigation, clearly. Because if there's litigation, one of two things. If there's a lot of litigation, which I don't work with companies that have a lot of litigation, so if they're working with me, they won't have that problem. But um, litigation is really important. I think it's really important to look at who the people are that are running the company. Do they have franchise background? Do they have experience? Because if they're a, you know, if they're a brand new franchise company and they don't have any people in the management section that have some franchise background, it's probably going to be a big challenge. A lot of times they, well, they just make a lot of mistakes because they don't know any different. It's not their fault. It's just that they're not knowledgeable enough. So I like to look at that. I like them to make sure they're clear on what the investment is, understanding why there's a big range. And that all depends on, typically it depends on lease, location, and TIs. And so they've got to be prepared to be able to cover worst-case scenario. Um, And then I explain to them that every year the franchisors go over all of their different costs at the end of the year and say, gee, how are we doing? Are they going up? You know, what's going on? Do we need to make adjustments? Um, And then, of course, pardon me? I was going to say, so you actually said something about investment required. So we have what we call raise rules. Um, yeah. on how much money do you need, but how much, if, if, if the franchise is X, how much mm-hmm. X investment, how much investment do you need above and beyond X? Oh, you don't ask me that question. I, I go strictly by what the franchisor says, and I, have, I, don't, I don't get into the numbers. I find out what their budget is. I'm not a numbers girl, and I'm the first one to say it. So... I stay out of that. I put them over with the finance people and let them tell them. Because I make sure that the finance people say, yes, they're qualified and they can, they can do it. They need to have enough working capital so they don't run into trouble. I don't, I don't like people to get so extended that they're using their last nickel. I really, help, I really discourage people from doing that. And good franchisors should take them. And, and that's what Fred was getting at. Yeah. Yeah. A rule of thumb is whatever the franchise says you need, double it, maybe even triple it, because you don't want to lose your business over not having a couple of extra yep. dollars in the bank. You know, and That's things right. can go sideways, as we learned in 2008, 2009. A lot of people started their business and they're just about ready to, you know, start making some money, and all of a sudden the economy went south. So, mm-hmm. and they just simply lost whatever they invested. You know, it, yeah. if it was a hundred thousand or one hundred fifty or whatever, yep. it's just gone. Yep. So, just as mm-hmm. a rule of thumb, have some extra in the bank to cover those those times Absolutely. when, uh, yeah, be, be fully capitalized at least double. Yeah, okay. I, I'm very so, cautious. Before we go to the next question, 
Uh, I want to yep. remind our listeners they can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. You can ask questions on the chat at www.pillarsoffranchising.com. And next week, our friend Abel Bayen, the director of uh, Great American Franchise Expo, will be giving us a small piece. But he wanted me to tell you that uh, March 9th and 10th, that's coming up this weekend, at the Irving Convention Center, the Great American Franchise Expo will be in Dallas. Uh, in, they'll also be in Charlotte April 13th and 14th um, at the Charlotte Convention Center. Uh, so if you're interested in buying a uh, franchise, you need to go there. You can find out more information at www.franexpousa.com. That's www.franexpousa.com. Go ahead, Ray. I, I think uh, what, yes. that's one of the important important principles of uh, you know going back to what we were saying of uh, mm-hmm. owning a franchise, and and then uh, probably you know one of one of the other principles that we talked about, I think uh, actually on the last show is is passion. You need to have yeah. a little passion for what you're getting involved in, and it doesn't mean necessarily that if, if, if you like to cut grass that you're passionate about cutting grass, but passionate about your business as a whole. Right. Exactly. It's funny. I was, I was on the phone with a client today and she's, she's looking at a bit. She doesn't, this is the, the situation where she doesn't have to do anything because she's very financially set. And yet she really wants to do something. I'm not sure her husband's on board. So they're going to have that good old heart to heart, but you really need to find something that really makes you happy. You know, it's kind of like yes. that intuitive sense that if you're thinking about it and you're looking at it and you're exploring it and it's kind of giving you that, you know, call it butterflies in your stomach, whatever it is, there's that internal gut check that says, yes, I can see myself doing it. Yes, I can, you know, I like this. That's a good thing. But trying to force somebody into something Trying to push a boulder up a hill is not a winner, and we all know it. No. <laughs> um, and, you know, you can have rose-colored glasses on, on, but the one thing, you know, is as long as you do a thorough investigation, what I say to people is if you do a good investigation, you know, you're going to know exactly what you have to do on a daily basis. You're going to know exactly what it's going to cost you to get into the business, and you're going to know whether or not you've got the skill set to make it happen. So, and I think the passion part is the, I mean, I'm clearly passionate about helping people really make a good decision and find a great franchise. I mean, nothing makes me happier than to work hard, listen carefully, and find that little something that goes, oh, I bet they would just love this. Mm-hmm. You know, and it could be yep. a dog business because, you know, dogs are, they spend so people spend so much money on dogs it would blow your mind, you know. So, know. but it's a certain kind of person that really loves pets. Mhm. All right. So, so I have. Uh, we were both at, at the International Franchise Association's 2019 convention in Las Vegas last week, mm-hmm. and I did not get to ask this. Um, I'd hope to be able to ask this and get people's recorded. Um, recorded uh, reactions to it, um, and unfortunately I didn't because everyone was asking me about Pillars of Franchising, so Ray, you're a hit at IFA. Um, what do you think's 
<laughs> one of the biggest one or two trends in franchising the, today. Boy, um, I would tell you that that's a really that's a really good question. Um, one that's of the my things forte. I would tell you. Well, right. Thank you. Um, one of the things I will tell you that's trending very, I mean, obviously seniors, that's a no brainer because we're never going to have enough people to service the seniors. But also I think that um, the millennials that are coming up, one of the things they're very passionate about is giving back. And so franchise companies are paying more attention to being more philanthropic and to be greener to save the environment, to do all of those things. And I think that's really important. You know, restaurants are being more conscientious about the food that they eat and what they serve. Um, We have a new brand called Grown, and it's it's the Allen, the basketball player from the Sonics, he and his wife. And she ended up having a son who's diabetic. And out of cooking for her husband being a – basketball professional basketball player with the sonics and then having a son that was diabetic out came a restaurant that's vegan and all i mean everything that they serve in that restaurant is organic and healthy and so you're seeing a big trend into those types of businesses but she said there's got to be a way that we can make affordable food that is easy for people to get you know on the run because everybody's so busy so i think you're seeing a lot of that I think you're seeing a lot of innovation, which is one of the big trends. And I think it scares people, and yet they've got to pay attention to it because it's coming. Yep, a lot of us seniors out there (laughs) demanding products. Thank you very much. (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting. So the senior business is, it's kind of, it's a, it's expanding. At first, it was just companion care and nursing homes and all that kind of stuff, people to help people in those places. Now we've got a franchise that repairs wheelchairs. Well, you know, somebody who's in a wheelchair, if their wheelchair breaks down, they're in trouble. And that is a really oh, yeah. strong needed service. Did you know that a hospital has to have a wheelchair for every bed in the hospital? Think about that. No. That's a lot of wheelchairs that have to be in proper working order so you know there's those type of things and then there's franchises that will come in and retrofit a house to make it capable for people either with disabilities or seniors you know the walk-in tubs and the the stairs with the little lift thing on it that you can ride up to the top so yeah it's very lots of innovation going on so you can't call triple a if you have problems with your wheelchair no unfortunately (laughs) you can't Don't let them know. They'll probably add that service to their AAA service. <laughs> well, that that's you know that's be what we we're just talking about and complimentary mm-hmm. branding and you know. Yes. <laughs> so, Phyllis, how how does one get a hold of you? So you can reach me. Um, well, just type in Phyllis Pieri in Google, and you'll find me. But um, my website is yourfranchisecoach.com. You can find me on Alexa. If you go to Amazon and put in my name or put in your franchise coach, I do a daily flash briefing. So you can enable that skill on your Alexa uh, machine, which is very fun. And that's really keeping me 
um, busy, <laughs> to say the least. And uh, I'm part of the franchise consulting company. But the uh, best way to reach me is just Phyllis at yourfranchisecoach.com. There you go. Awesome. So, Fred, uh, did uh, you and Phyllis run into Mary Kay Liston at all? She was at the franchise show. I did. I didn't. She did. I didn't. I got. I was. I was telling people about you, so I was like, you know, what? What can I say? I'm like, God, my raise, blah blah blah. So you know, I. What, yeah, I was bored, she's, and I didn't. She, she's a lovely lady. I sat next. I sat next to her husband. Um, at a round table, and then I went over. He gave me her card, and I went over and and introduced myself. I'd met her before, but I had a young CEO who took over her dad's franchise, and she's looking for some mentorship. And so I went over to chat with her to see if, you know, we're trying to put to put something together to help some of these young, um, some of the gals that are living in a man's world and franchising trying to put some groups together that can help them get some support. So just so, so our, uh, our, our listeners are not totally uh, like, oh, in the dark. Mary Kay? <laughs> in the dark. She is the new president of Molly Maid. And uh, I will, uh, hopefully she's listening or someone she knows is listening. And uh, I'd like to invite her on the show. Yeah, oh, she'd be fabulous. When you're gonna get her, right? Yeah. Well, I guess I gotta send that email now. I'm, I'm <laughs> now you're on the. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm on the hook. Yeah, I'm on the hook to do that. So we'll, we'll go ahead and get that done. All right. Well, if there's anything I can do to help you, by all means, don't be afraid to oh. ask. Oh, 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 oh no! She just put herself in. Don't worry. We'll be back to you on that one. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I told you okay. I love helping people. Well, um, we're, we're don't worry. I'm going to be back to you. I, I'm a well-known. All right, so people hate it when I say this. I'm a well-known stalker in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> tracker, tracker. Yeah, that's it. I'm one of the there old, okay, old that's, tracker. That's, yeah, yeah, that's that's a little bit more uh, acceptable these days. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was I was thinking when I was at the ISA convention that, you know, we are 4,000. I mean, there were like 4,000 people there this time. It was a great turnout. And it's the, I think it's the only place left where women can have fun. And, you know, I don't know. It's just a different environment. I think one of the things that I love about franchising is that you can have a table of comp- of CEOs all with the same in the same uh, service, and they're all helping each other and trying to help each other do better and discuss best oh, practices. Yeah. It is just unbelievable. You just don't see that, but you do in franchising. That's true. Mhm. That's why we love franchising. You bet. Oh, okay. Well, thank you, fellas. Um, Actually, we'd like to invite you on in a couple of weeks. We're going to have another Women in Franchising. Uh, where we have okay. uh, um, uh, Holly A. Ford, who you know, I think, is. Uh, yes, she's a colleague. Serves as our, yeah, she, she serves as the 
uh, interpreter so she can woman explain to Ray and I, uh, to, two old coots, and she serves as our special co-host translator. Um, but we're going to have, I think we're up to, if you're going to join us, I think we'll be up to at least five women in franchising. Come on and uh, talk about the topics that uh, are near and dear to women in franchising. I guess that's the ba- oh, that's best wonderful. way. And, and instead of Ray and I trying to educate, Ray and I get an education. We also don't have to talk there about that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. All right. Well, I'll, again, we'll be talking offline, so I'll make sure you get the invite. Um, All right. And now uh, we're going to go, speaking of Holly A. Ford, we're going to go for her clip for the day. Thanks, gentlemen. Hi, this is Holly Ford with Zarian Firm. Trending this week in franchising, the infamous FTD. Every item in the Franchise Disclosure Document, or FTD, is essential in evaluating an opportunity. Most of my clients, however, zero in on item 19, financial performance representations. They want to know how much money they can make. Essential, of course, but it is an incomplete picture. If the item 19 depicts the average franchisee earning 15% margins, the prospect may feel confident to proceed in his decision. However, these numbers mean very little should the franchise itself be stagnant or declining. So, how do you tell? You take a deep look at the overlooked but critically important item 20. Item 20 is a system-wide outlet summary. This information is provided primarily to give you a numerical breakdown of locations and the growth or regression trends. Several tables are detailed here and each table includes three years of data. Table 1 is a summary of system-wide outlets. Table 2 is transfers of outlets from franchisees to new owners. Table 3 provides information on the status of franchised outlets. Table 4 provides information on the status of company-owned outlets. And Table 5 is a table of projected new franchised outlets. So, what does all of this mean? From this vital information, we will ascertain many things. The most critical four being new units, attrition, continuity, and churning. New units, of course, depicts how many new franchises opened in a given year. You're looking here for year-over-year steady growth. If this number is declining or erratic, investigate further. Attrition. Attrition shows how many franchises left the system. In a healthy franchise, the attrition should be nominal. Why are they closing and not selling? That's the question you need to ask. You definitely want to call all of those that close their doors rather than sell to a new owner. The continuity rate of a franchisor refers to the number of units open during a period of time which remain continually operating. If there are a high number of closures or non-renewals with the system, there's definitely an issue. A high continuity rate is evidence of strong support systems. If you'd like to learn more about determining the continuity rate, please connect with me at franchise.zarianfirm.com. And finally is churn. Again, we want to see resales, not terminations. Churning is when the franchisor takes back a failing unit, usually with no restitution to the franchisee, and sells it again and again and again. This is a powerful red flag. Please pay close attention to this. 
For assistance in analyzing item 20 in an FTD, contact me at holly at Now for today's two-minute topic, new math, determining business multipliers. New math, or common core math standards, brought fierce debate and often confusion to the educational masses. But as time passed, the acknowledgement and even support for the standards has evolved. But when it comes to business multipliers, Support and continuity for these standards are difficult to obtain. Business sellers, buyers, valuation experts, industry leaders, and financial institutions can all have contradictory data regarding this one number. So let's take the shroud off of this and add some much-needed clarity. A valuation multiple is a multiplier that's used to convert a single-point business economic benefit into the business value. This number is multiplied by most commonly EBITDA when valuing a business with an over $2 million gross revenue or seller discretionary earnings in a business under $2 million, after which depreciated cost of hard assets are added to create the business's value. So how do you determine what this mystic multiplier is? Industries have norms or standards that educated business brokers use as the basis for this determination, but after that, each specific business must be evaluated to arrive at a true multiplier. Zarian Firm has established and defended multiples with its proprietary 10-factor approach. These items of focus are revenue growth, is the business revenue increasing and at what rate, industry growth, how solvent is the industry, business financing, how generous are the financing terms, competition, who controls the market. Customer concentration, how many, repeat customers, client base, all of those items, market share. Nature of the business, what are the barriers to entry, is it difficult to replicate? Ease of operation, this is related directly to the business's operating standards and procedures. Employees, the number of employees, the level of skill needed, turnover, and management. Is the owner an operator or is there a skilled management team in place? All of these items have many variations. Zarian created a sophisticated algorithm to derive the multiplier for each business that we represent. For more information on determining a business multiplier or to find a wealth-building business, connect with me at businesswealth at zarianfirm.com. Next week's two-minute topic is entitled, Fatten the Calf, the Importance of Margins. And finally today, our highlighted franchise of the week is Honor Yoga. I had the distinct pleasure of visiting an Honor Yoga franchise in New Jersey two weeks ago where I engaged with dynamic, vibrant instructors layered over a tapestry of meditation, poses, and awareness exercises. Honor Yoga franchisees exceed 25% in margins. It is a fast-growing concept with a low startup cost, all in less than 250000 For more information on how to acquire your own Honor Yoga franchise, Connect with me at zarianfirm.com. If you have any questions about this topic or any other question regarding franchising, email me at holly at zarianfirm.com and we'll cover it in a future episode. This is Holly Ford of Zarian Firm on Pillars of Franchising saying, see you next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Well, thanks, Holly. Uh, We look forward to it um, and also want to thank Holly for in the upcoming blog posts on FDDs 
America's Greatest Cure for Insomnia or a thing you must have to be successful in franchising. I want to thank Holly for the her contributions as well as Phyllis for hers. So, Ray, uh, had a great show um, yeah. uh, today. Good. Learned a Fun. whole lot. It is. Um, yeah. I really love what we do. As, as we talked about, yeah. I really love what we do. Um, do want to remind people that if you're interested in uh, buying a franchise, then go to the pillarsoffranchising.com website. You can fill out the form and get a free copy of Nick Neonakis's book, The Franchise MBA, Mastering the Four Essential Steps to Owning a Franchise. Next week, uh, we have Franchise Law, What You Need to Know. Uh, it should be a great show. We've got Adam uh, Wash, partner at Wash Rain LLP. And we've also got Mike Ciccarelli. Uh, he helps people achieve their goals through franchise ownership. So, Ray, uh, we got one last commercial to pay the bills. Any thoughts on Ray's rules? No, it's good to have them uh, mentioned today because uh, those are important. Absolutely. I was, I'll tell you, I was quoting him at the show, Ray's Rules, right? And I'm like, Ray? I said, Ray's my co-host. He's the one who knows about franchising. I'm just the, the you know, the comic relief, but he's the one who knows, and, and it was all good. So, yeah, I, I, I think I said this last week. I was blown away. There was uh, several that I didn't get to meet, but I think there were at least 10, um, 10 past guests at IFA. I figure – we do this enough, another five years, and everybody attending IFA will be a past guest. Yeah, and, and everybody will know me, and I've never even been to a show yet. Oh, so then we'll have to, um, we'll have to make sure you we'll go on that. one of these. And, yeah, because, yeah. hey, I had a good time. Kristen wants to go next year, and it's in Orlando, so uh, I think we need to work something uh, out there. Hey, so yeah, folks, I don't mind going south. Yeah. I don't mind going south either. So one last uh, commercial from our favorite friend, Holly. Zarian Firm International Business Brokers is truly unique in the business resale space. While the average business broker uses one standard multiplier across all businesses and industries to value a business, Zarian Firm is the only business brokerage that looks at the five factors of distinction in each individual business. This gives our sellers a true value and our buyers a fair price. Zarian offers sellers the choice of three marketing packages based on how quickly they want to sell their business. But all of our businesses sell 33% faster than the industry norm. Zarian Firm International Business Brokers connects premium investors with validated business opportunities. Thanks, Holly. I uh, want to tell people that uh, in, very soon in the future, we're going to be able to get some great insights from our friends at BlastPoint, uh, Instant Geographic Insights for Increased Revenue Generation. They'll be contributing a weekly clip also to go along with Holly's. And we're working on some other folks to come and sponsor the show and also contribute content. 
Who knows, right? We may have to go up to three hours. Oh, no. We won't have any time to talk. Yeah, I know. And wouldn't that be wild? So since we're under two, we'll make it under two hours this this show, folks. Um, remember, you can find all the places we're listed on Pillars of Franchising. Uh, I'm Fred McMurray, and you're who? Uh, last I checked, Ray, Pillar, Pillars of Franchising. And this is the Pillars of Franchising wishing you a profitable and enjoyable and a safe week. Folks, absolutely. Take care of yourself. Amen. Right. Good night, everyone. Good night. It's, it's uh, hello. You still there? <laughs>